go. Oh wait, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? Yes, I am. Let's go. I wish I could do this accent. Oh, I, I can. can. Okay, go ahead. Oh, we're going down under <laughs> to Australia. Doing the adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh, oh wow, that was so good. Well, thank you. I've been practicing. <laughs> so good. Well, I thought I could do an English accent, but it turns out it's an Australian. Yes, it is. It's so we really just have good. to do more Australian <laughs> movies. Oh, I'd love to. When drag queen Anthony agrees to take his act on the road, he invites fellow cross-dresser Adam and transsexual Bernadette to come along. The three performers travel across Australia. Note to listeners, this was taken from the blip from the movie. And so um, by saying drag queen and cross-dresser, that was okay, as long as you're not doing it as a slur. Is drag queen still acceptable? RuPaul said it was if you're not using it as a slur. Oh, okay. I looked it up. I mean, you are a drag. Like, that's a thing is being a drag queen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Particulars? Particulars, please. The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. It premiered at Cannes on May 15th, 1994, in the United States on August 10th, 1994, and in Australia on September 8th, 1994. It was written and directed by Stefan Elliott. Musical, you also wrote and directed the musical Frauds, starring Phil Collins. He also did Eye of the Beholder and Easy Virtue. It's edited by Sue Blainley, who did Easy Virtue, 13 Reasons Why, and Six Feet Under. Music is by Guy Gross. Yes, she's done a lot of things. Um, Music by Guy Gross, who also did Frauds, Farscape, and A Few Best Men. And the director of photography is Brian J. Breenhenny, who also did... Crawl, The Phantom, and The Other Side of Heaven. Starry, Terrence Stamp as Bernadette. He was in Far From the Maddening Crowd, the 1978 Superman, The Limey, and most recently in Last Night in Soho. Hugo Weaving as Tick slash Mitzi, who is Red Skull in the Captain America movies. Elrond in the Lord of the Rings movies and Agent Smith in the Matrix movies. (laughs) So kind of funny how in the 90s there was this whole thing about like, oh, if you play a gay character, then you'll never work in mainstream Hollywood again. And yet look at all those super masculine heterosexual roles that Hugo Weaving just went on to play after playing Mitzi. Um. Guy Pierce is Adam, also Felicia. He was most <laughs> recently in Mayor of East Town. Mm-hmm. He's known for LA Confidential and Memento. And here's a nerd alert because today is Father's Day, but this is kind of a sad nerd alert. His dad was in the Royal Air Force and he was a test pilot. And you know what they say there's okay. old pilots 
And there's bold pilots. If you're a test pilot, you're means bold. you're a bold pilot. And sadly, he died in a flying accident when young Guy Pierce was only eight years old. Oh my gosh, the age of the little boy in this movie. Oh yeah. Huh. Oh, Bill Hunter as Bob. He was in Galapoli, Strictly Ballroom, and Muriel's Wedding. Sarah Chadwick as Marion Barber. She was in The Flying Doctors, Gross Misconduct, and Glad Rags. And Julia Julie Cortez as Cynthia. <laughs> Her only other credit in IMDb is in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. And those are your particulars. Outstanding. Well, the movie starts with a singer performing at a club. Uh, we find out it is Anthony, also known as Tick or Mitzi. Tick calls Bernadette, also known as Raoul. No, no, no not no. Ralph. Bernadette. It's just Bernadette. Ralph is a dead name. Yeah. Oh, okay, 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 okay. She Ra- Bernadette, Bernadette is a trans woman. Yes. Okay. She's not a, a female impersonator. Right. Bernadette is a woman. Right. Right. Who is mourning the loss of Trumpet? Trumpet was her um, boy toy, I believe. Husband. Husband. Oh, were they married? Married. Okay. Yeah, but then in the end, it turns out it wasn't, it might have been like a superficial marriage type. Oh, because maybe it wasn't legal. Uh, she sounded oh, like no. She said something about like he he was just like young and like like it didn't seem like they were really like madly in love. Yeah. Or... Oh oh yeah, I remember. He was twenty five yeah. and he had a yeah. he had a fetish. A thing. For, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um. Okay. Um. So Tick wants Bernadette to go to Alice Springs for a gig. They we then meet Adam, also known as Felicia who has purchased an old bus for the trip. But what Felicia and Bernadette don't know is that Tick's wife is the reason for the road trip. What could go wrong? Well, some things go wrong and some things go right. (laughs) So we did have people of color. We had several original Australian people. Yes. I have we have several indigenous Australians, which is a made up term for the many distinct people who lived in Australia for fifty thousand years. And it and it's only been in the last two hundred years that they have been identified and started to self identify as a single group. I wonder why in the last 200 years <laughs> just it's just wild that that's just what colonists do it's yeah. just oh all y'all y'all are this that but it, that's what we do with asians we had asian pacific islander month and it's just like oh all y'all koreans japanese chinese indians all these the distinctly different cultures of islands that's the pacific guess what all y'all are asian <laughs> It's wild if you think about it. Right. Asian Pacific Islander. Yeah. You were once um, said to be Asian Pacific Asian Islander. Pacific. 
-hmm. on some form. Yep. Um, so yeah, we have that. We have all the indigenous, and then we have a um an Asian woman. Yes. And so th that's our POC count. And so now we are to cast and the um, indigenous people of Australia are definitely part of cast. Yes. Oh, definitely. But Tini, do you want to take, you want me to well, clear the paint? You could do that, but I have one about, um, I kind of have a different one about Cynthia. Oh, okay, because I have oh. about Cynthia as well. Why don't you take Cynthia, and then we'll hit up the the other one. Cynthia had a great talent. Well, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. a talent. Um, yeah, so there's an article on out.com, and I don't have the name of the article, so I'll look that up, and I'll get back to you. Um, but it kind of talks about uh, the fact that, I'll just read the opening, although gay men and transgendered individuals have suffered the stigma of the heterosexual society at large, the three characters' whiteness is a fact taken for granted. Their sexual and gender orientations are what led to their pathologization, oh, that's a word, and wow, brutal homophobic word. and transphobic battles across Australia. And it's something that is always a subject brought up during, oh, recently a subject brought up during Pride Month in June about um, just the whiteness in, like, even though you are gay or transgender, like, you've already had a hard go of it, but if you're white, you already have a leg up compared to oh, yeah. others. Um, so, you know, gay communities and cultures are defined by white men enjoying the company of other white men, seeking to their rights of marriage, equality, and social equity. So it's important to see that in this film, it's no different from other gay films that continue to marginalize other races, despite these queers facing their own stigma and shame throughout the course of their journey. Um, but it also says that women fare no better in this film. Right. Yeah. And so Cynthia is a Filipino woman who is portrayed with negative stereotypes many white Westerns hold of Asian women. She's a mail-order bride um, because she offers for her straight, swaggering husband sex and domesticity. Mm -hmm. And it talks about this in one scene. She, she pops out ping pong balls Um from her vag to a crowd of drunken and crude men at a pub who each catch the balls. Um, I mean, it's a scene. She has a, yeah. she has a tough man. The I wrote that down just off the jump. I was like, yet another tough role for Asian women. Yeah. This Filipino's getting that straight up capital D disrespect. Yeah. Yeah. But the, this article the, also goes on. Oh, sorry. The the lines that were written for her and the um, the exaggerated accent. Yeah. And um, the the shrillness that they wanted in her voice. That was all very stereotypically. Yeah. I guess I would have felt different if like they had taken her on the road. Like 
Mm-hmm. If I had been that, and then she would have been the one to like go on the road with them. Mm-hmm. And but instead they had to turn Bob into this like righteous man. Yeah. Right. Well, they um, had to get Bob was the victim. He was a victim of this Filipino yeah. woman. And by getting her right. out of the picture, then he could go on to be with Bernadette. Right. Yeah. I would have rather the other happened. Um but then it also talks about, uh, I'm just reading this at this point. I'll have to get the name of the article. Women in Priscilla seem threatened by the presence of two men imitating women and one trans woman when they enter the town's public spaces. In a terrifying moment, we see Bernadette cut down by one thunderously butch woman who abuses them and orders the drag crew to leave the bar. However... In a bizarre turn of events, we see Bernadette and the woman drinking in her drinking contest uh, while a raucous of straight men mm, watch on. Mm-hmm. Um, where was I going with that one? Basically, I was saying, like, we don't like, unless you fit into this specific lesbian thing, you know, like, if you're a woman, if you're this kind of woman, you're not the right woman. Um mm-hmm. So, I don't know, it was an interesting um, article on that. And there's a lot of, like, there was a whole a whole other article. I mean, RuPaul's Drag Race, obviously, like, RuPaul is Black, but there's, like, a very long history of white drag queens being favored on the show. Um, and there's an article on Pride.com. This is from 2018 called these statistics prove drag race fans have a preference for white queens um and it starts by are drag race fans racist and this is in 2018 but it says of all 67 of the top half performing queens 32 are white 18 and black 12 are latina and five are asian um but White queens average 622,000 followers, while black queens end up lower around 418,000. I think, like, a lot has, I do think a lot has changed in that from the past. A lot has changed in drag race from 2018 to now. It's not perfect, but like, they did start saying, think it was RuPaul stopped saying gentlemen start your engines because they did have a trans woman on there so like the pronouns have changed um I mean Bob the drag queen is one of the most followed drag queens on any social media platform um but yeah a long history of racism in that even though it's you know you're a drag you queen. wouldn't yeah exactly you wouldn't think it, and because it's also, well, let me first, like, button up the thing with, like, with Cynthia, because there's, that was the first thing that popped up, like, to me with racism was just her portrayal, and there, so then the people have written that up, and they brought it up when the movie came out. There were people in Australia who were like, In 94? Yeah. Really? Melba Marginson for the Center of Filipino Concern. She stated that Cynthia was portrayed as a gold digger, a prostitute, an entertainer. Oh whose expertise is popping 
ping pong balls from her sex organ, a manic depressive, loud and vulgar, the worst stereotype of a Filipina. Mm-hmm. Um, she said that by portraying her in this manner, the filmmakers were violently killing the dignity of Filipino women and stating that she feared it would lead to more violence against us. And if wow. there's anything that we know is that nobody needs a reason for violence. Exactly. And it's really interesting because this week to, in the Valley, there was a story that came out. I, guess, I think it happened a couple of months ago, but there's a warrant out for this dude at a McDonald's for a hate crime against a Filipino family. They were in line and he rear-ended them and was like taunting them in, you know, using a derogatory, basically saying like, oh, you're so Asian, but saying it horribly with a horrible accent and stuff on it. And he like pushed the, the dad came out and the, they pushed the dad into the concrete. The dad's ribs got all messed up. It's like, People don't need a reason to, which brings me to like producer. So they went and they were all this came out, and so they went to the producer Al Clark, and he was like, "Nah, what this is this isn't racist. No." Mm-hmm. He stated that she oh. was quote a misfit like the three protagonists are, and just about everybody else in the film is, and her presence is no more a statement about Filipino women than having three drag queens is a statement about Australian men. Here's the problem with that, oh. Al. The problem with that is name me a famous Australian Filipina actress. You can't, Al. And you know why you can't, Al? Because they're not portrayed in enough projects for you to be able to have this and have it be a one-off. This is this is I don't. I don't see a lot of Australian films, but I, I've seen, you know, some. And the same holds true with America. I can't mm-hmm. name off the top of my head a famous Philippine. So that's sort of what I use. Like, if you can name and you've seen enough portrayals, then that's when we can kind of loosen up on the thing. But that's why we do this part of the podcast is because you point out all the ways black people show up and it's a oh, domestic servant, prisoner, not great <laughs> doesn't <laughs> not representing the broad spectrum of the great black american populace so you're gonna tell me al in australia that this is just it's cool because it's the same mm-hmm. thing get over it man wow also al. the article is called the adventures of priscilla queen of the desert why it still survives by nathan smith and it was from 2014. It goes on. It does. That was just the part that I took out. Um, it does talk about the good part, you know, why the film has survived and become mm-hmm. a cult classic and things like that. Because overall, I did very much enjoy it. I did and too. It begins with, for many Americans, Australian cinema will always begin and end with Crocodile Dundee series, which is the first movie I ever saw in the theater. Yeah. Is Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So then going on with more of the cast, um, you know, they, they, they're in Australia, they're on a tour. So then they, of course, get find this uh, indigenous group of people that help them and they get to perform with. And it's like, so, and there was this one, it, also the fact that I'm pretty sure I didn't catch any of the indigenous people's names. So no. I yeah. can't really bring it up to be like, Al, 
remember this character. No, that's not a thing in this film. But there is an indigenous man that helps them out and is asking them questions about, you know, drag and, and that kind of thing. Um, which in the cast, it's like, so an indigenous man can't go with them? Because didn't they dress him up? And yeah. I thought that's where we were going to go. I, I did too. Come on the road with them. Not in 1994. <laughs> so, but then I wondered maybe that the scene had been cut. And then when it gets to the other, the end of the film, I was like, oh, there he is doing the lip syncing, um, save the best for last. But, but then I was like, but why is it so dark? I don't understand this. And then when I was doing the research, because I wanted to get this person's name right, it turns out that it's really Tim Chappell, who's one of the costume designers. Huh. So this whole time, I thought at the end that the um, indigenous Australian fellow was then like went on to, to become a drag performer himself. But I don't think that's the case. No, it so doesn't I'm, seem like it. I'm a little bit stuck. And then I think it's just very fascinating with the whole drag uh, culture, which I don't, I'm a novice and I don't really know that much about it at all. Um, but it was always fascinating to me that how much disco and singing mm-hmm. the disco songs and all of that, and like with the exception of ABBA, a lot of the songs that they sing are performed and originated and made famous by black women. So that's true. That it makes, and then the whole disco sucks movement. I always like to bring this up because I, I feel like it's not talked about very much, but that whole like disco sucks movement in the 70s was very anti black and anti gay oh. because it was black people that were making it and singing it. And it was gay people who, I mean, honestly, it's all people because you cannot tap your toe to a disco beat. But there was that sentiment. And yet it's fascinating how there's so much racism in Western drag communities. It's just super Mm -hmm. prevalent. It's crazy because there is a whole thing in um, there was a different article I read. Quote. Drag race down under has quickly exposed a racism problem in Australian drag. And that was from March 17th, 2001. And it was a junkie article by Madhara Prakash. And it was just going through that, like, even before the down under started, that they were, like, just, like, three. I'm This number may be off, but, like, contestants right off the bat had blackface, had like, mm-hmm. d- like dressed up in indigenous, um, you know, darkened their skin, wore a t-shirt with an indigenous flag on it, and blacked out two of their front teeth. Had oh. th- uh, one co- contestant had racist dolls, and a matching racist tattoo. Like mm-hmm. they're like people just getting called out and stuff, and. Yeah, so, and I I came upon that when I was trying to do recasting. Because I was like, oh, let me get a non-white drag performer. And all this stuff came out about the racism in the Australian drag culture and stuff. I was like, oh, my gosh. So that is definitely a thing. And this movie does not at all showcase. No. So... I, think. I was also watching, I saw a segment 
Um, there's a segment. It was by Billboard called "Spilling the Tea," and it's with uh, a bunch, like a bunch of queens that have been on Drag Race. Bob the Drag Queen's on there. Um, Jiggly, a, a bunch, I, a couple that I didn't. Aja's on there. A couple that I didn't recognize. Uh, I was trying to, think, I was trying to look up a list of who they were, but I couldn't find it before we started. But they were talking about. Um, the question was posed, do drag queens have the responsibility to be politically correct? And one of them was like, absolutely. Um, I was talking about, you know, we want, if we want other people to open up their space for us, then we need to do the same. And, and like, you have to be held accountable for what you say. And she was saying that like the same rules apply to like comedy. If a comedian, you know, right. Yeah comedians if you you can't there's a there's a line that you can cross there's a line that goes too far and there mm-hmm. you know yeah so. you can you can say and do whatever you want that's not the thing is, well that's the only thing she said she said you can say and do whatever you want but you have but, to know that yeah you have the, to be able to like the consequences stand beside it then yeah freedom of speech is isn't no like freedom of speech is a is a government sort of protect like you're not gonna get come and thrown in jail for saying whatever you want like that's what that is it isn't you get to say whatever you want and there's no like you yeah you get to say whatever you want and other people also get to say whatever they want so you can go out here talking all greasy and wild out the side of your neck and People can hold you accountable for that and say, like, nah, we ain't fucking with you. <laughs> Go home. And you can get mad and, like, well, I, I could say whatever I want. And it's like, yeah, and people get to say whatever they want, too, you know? I, honestly, the ho- most hilarious thing about cancel culture is I'm like, isn't that capitalism? We're just letting the market decide? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, you take the good, you take the bad. Like they said in the facts of life. <laughs> so, Christine, more about cast? I, I think this fits into cast. Or I guess it could be a nerd alert. So either way, or it's in the middle. But I thought it would be a good time to talk about, to do a pronouns guide. Oh. I would love that. Yes. Let me have my... Um, so this is from the Glisten website, glsen.org. They do a lot for LGBTQIA, et cetera, rights. Um, so they have a guide to help anyone learn how to use people's correct pronouns. Um, so first of all, what are pronouns? Pronouns are the words you may like others to use for you in place of your proper name. Some examples include she, her, or he, him, or gender neutral pronouns such as Z and here. I believe are the words, yeah, Z and here, or they, them. Some people use specific pronouns, any pronouns, or none at all. Here's an example of using they, them in a sentence. John is substituting for me today, and they are an incredible mathematician. Using singular they pronouns have been used in the English language for centuries. Really? Nothing to. Yeah. But it's not correct. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Um. Yeah, language is evolving. Yeah. 
Um, so why focus on pronouns? So you may notice people are sharing their pronouns in introductions on name tags and at the beginning of meetings. This gives everyone in the room the opportunity to self-identify instead of assuming someone's identity or which pronouns they use. Including pronouns is a first step towards respecting people's identity and creating a more welcoming space for people of all genders. Um, how can this be, how is this more inclusive? Pronouns can sometimes be a signifier for someone's gender identity, but not always. We do not want to assume people's gender identity based on expression, like example, typically shown through hairstyle, clothing, mannerisms, et cetera. You mean judging a book by its cover. That's another way to say it. <laughs> by providing an opportunity for people to share their pronouns, you're showing that you're not assuming that their gender identity is based on their appearance. What if I don't want to share my pronouns? That's okay. Providing space and opportunity for people to share their pronouns does not mean everyone feels comfortable doing so. Uh -huh. Some people may choose not to share for a variety of reasons. They may be questioning or using different pronouns. They don't see any, they don't use any pronouns, sorry, or they don't feel comfortable sharing them in that moment or space. Um, or they could feel fear of bullying or harassment after sharing. Uh -huh. In the case that someone has left pronouns off the name tag or chosen not to share their pronouns, please refrain from using pronouns for that person and refer to the person by what is on their name tag, exactly. aka their name. Um, so misgendering refers to the experience of being labeled by others as a gender other than one that a person identifies with because many, not all, associate their pronouns with their gender identity Using the wrong pronouns intentionally or unintentionally is a form of misgendering. If you accidentally use the wrong pronoun when identifying someone, please apologize or say thank you and immediately use the right pronoun. For example, this is Alex. She's one of my science students. You're corrected because Alex uses they, them, theirs pronouns. Sorry, they're one of my science students. Or thank you, they're one of my science students. Everyone makes mistakes. Take accountability for your mistake and continue to use the right pronoun. Right. Um, the important thing is to be mindful of, the important thing to be mindful of is to not unload your guilty feelings on transgender, non-binary, and gender non-conforming people or expect forgiveness. They might have a strong reaction to the misuse of their pronouns and need space to recenter themselves. So I think a lot of people tend to like overcompensate when they mess up. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I make a big deal out of it. Just uh -huh. say thank you and move on. Um, and then it says, make your support visible. So include pronoun under name and your name tags and introductions and groups as an opportunity for participants to make their pronouns visible. At the beginning of the semester, educators can call out students by their last name instead of their first name in case a student has not been able to change their name in the student information system or legally. And let students know that after class, they can let you know what name they use if it's different than what's on the roster. At the beginning of a semester, educators can pass out three by five note cards to students and ask them to add their name, pronouns, and whatever information you feel is necessary to know about the student that they might not want to share out loud. Have pronouns be added to all email signatures and link the word pronouns to this guide or another reference for people to know, for people who are new to this practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what um, we have at work in our email. Mm -hmm. It was like optional, like just add it. Yeah. And it was like, oh, no big deal. And then they have tips for gender neutral language. So practice, practice, practice. Use gender neutral pronouns such as they and Z while visualizing the person who uses them. This is especially useful to do right before you're about to see the person. I think like a good tip that I've, I don't know if this, 
I don't know. I just picked it up from somebody that I worked with. I just noticed that um, this person would use they for anybody. Unless they know that, like, the person's preferred pronoun, they referred to any name that they saw as they. Oh. Rather than assuming he or she. Um, I when like, addressing... Oh. Go on. I like the y'all. Well, that says, when addressing groups of people or people whose pronouns you haven't been told, use gender-neutral language such as siblings, third graders, students, friends, folks, all or y'all, rather than saying brothers and sisters or guys, ladies, ma'am, or sir. Because I'm a big guys. Like, to, to me, yeah, guys. Guys, like, is hey, guys. Yeah, yeah, guys is everything, but I know that it's not. I know. So. I've been trying to stop saying, hey, guys, but. Yeah, I do it a lot. I tried to stop saying, hey, y'all, when I moved up north, but. I know. Now. I'm bringing it back. It's just, it's, it's the one thing. Yeah. Um, but the electric, can... com- the electric company used to start with, hey, hey you, you guys. guys. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's outdated. Yeah. Continue. Yep. Hey, y'all. And then, um, and then lastly, you can use descriptive language if you don't know a person's gender pronouns or name. So, for example, can you give this paper to the person across the room with the white t-shirt and short brown hair? So, I thought that was a very helpful tip. The black one over there with the kinky hair. Yeah, give it to (laughs) We'll give it to the Asian. Um, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, that's good to know. Uh, Yeah. I have some friends whose children are now non-binary and um, using different pronouns. And they're, they're like really working to, to do it right. And so I want to be aware as well when, when talking with the parents just to be uh, respectful. And that was a big thing in the movie is Bernadette was born as Ralph and really didn't want to be associated with that name anymore. So I think as, you know, companies are moving into like, or technology is moving into that. Uh, For a while at my company, there wasn't a way when making a schedule to, so like you had to, it was whatever people's name was on their birth certificate or whatever, you know, whatever it was in their paperwork. So then like, there's no way for us you know, and people are often uncomfortable. Your first day of a job, you don't want yes. to be like, actually. So there have been multiple times where we didn't find out until months in. So then now I think it's when you get hired and you're filling out your stuff, it's a it, little it, bit better. But making sure you're, you know, or people know the resources that are there or that you, it is thing. You can go in and change your name. Uh-huh. But. Yeah, because that would be very daunting. You you got this job, you're new, and at least for my work situation, a lot of it is remote. So like the new people coming in haven't. I mean, they're doing good things into bringing people into the office, but it's weird because it's not the same office, you know, because not everybody mm-hmm. is there. So it. I was just I was listening to a podcast about the work from home. Um, revolution and all of that and it was interesting because where I work I had worked there for a very long time and then we went remote so all the people that I worked with and stuff I had seen and the people who were out of state 
I had traveled to and seen most of them. So I was like, oh, yeah, these new people who are coming in, you know, they're just that that would be really wild. And it's and then they also talk about like the young people coming in like this is their first job experience. So they don't have any of those things, because when I first got to the company, it was being like an army brat. I just went into my old army brat thing of like you just getting back and laying back in the cut and just observing like what you know who's doing what what is the proper way to go about things just getting a lay of the land and when you come in remote you don't even have that to get no that tactile feeling of it so it, it must be wild and especially if it's your new your first job and you haven't had a anything else to really compare it to as far as a work office workplace thing Ooh wee wild times <laughs> these youngins are gonna be wild <laughs> I have, wild. they're wild they're wild in, in my very privileged white privileged life that i have led i have a touch of a similarity i mean my first name is mary but i go by an abbreviation of my middle name so I know if I get a phone call from Mary Bush, that it's, that's all business. And um, I like that distinction, <laughs> you know, it, is Mary Bush there in reference to what? Uh, no, she's not interested, you know, <laughs> as opposed to, is Liz there? Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. just a, a similar thing of like my doctor still calls me Mary and I've been with him for <laughs> years. It's just, I'm not going to go through it because it's not that big a deal to me. But if it is to you, you need to, you need to be called what you want to be called. I would say that to my students all the time. If I mispronounce your name, you have to tell me what it is. I'd like you to tell me nicely, you know, and not in a mean way, but you deserve to have your name called the way that you want it to be called. And a lot of, you know, if you have siblings, you call them the sibling name. I did that to a a kid oh. who's 21 now at a at a party I went hey Tommy I know you're not Tommy I know you're Jonathan and I totally apologize you know it's just that's okay the number of somebody times. was I was walking home with somebody the other day and they were calling me Liz they called me Liz like four times and I just went with a <laughs> do they listen to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> no, so it's for the gym. They thought I was another person. I, yeah, just obviously, was it was not a, a compare. You know, oh, confusing me. I mean, my brother's been called Aaron how many times? Because people, they, people know there's an Aaron, and right. you know, so they assume he's he's it, the good lucky one. So they just go and assume. <laughs> I think it has to do with the A of Aaron. You know, he's Adam. They it starts with an A. There's an Aaron. He's, he's got to be Aaron. Yeah, like, he's always hey, Aaron. Called I'm always just standing right next to him. I'm like, yes, I'm Adam. <laughs> it's nothing to do with looks. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. Because it's always like older women. And, uh, I don't know, Ma. Maybe. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't think I'm all wrong. <laughs> you, you, yeah, you might be picking up on something I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. So now I have a stomachache. <laughs> okay, so now we are to nerd alerts. Thank you for that, Teeny, because that's really important. Mm -hmm. I have, so this came out in August. I went with the August because it's U.S. and, you know, I'm American, so it all revolves around America. Mm -hmm. So this And is, her, she's August, so. Yes, August 1994. 
Um, in January of 1994, 6.7 magnitude Northridge earthquake yes. happened here. Yes. And it's wild because everybody who is here has all of their stories. And I, I'll, they all know. It's, uh, they all have can just instantly go into vivid detail about where they were and what happened. Um, thankfully, only 57 people died, which is a lot of people. Wow. But for a 6.7 magnitude earthquake smack dab in the middle of the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles. Right. Whew. But... 8,700 people were injured. Oh, wow. And it is, because when you're out here, I think because of this, people, um, they talk about this and the that big earthquake that happened in San Francisco, I think in October, they have this thing, like, of earthquake weather, which to me is just, like, it's just an overcast day. But, like, when when there was office and I would go into the office and there would be days like that, you would people would be like, Yo, people be on edge and like this earthquake weather. Just, just like, like I know tornado weather. I was this... say, did you listen to my favorite murder this week? Yes. About the tornadoes. About tornado, the deadliest tornado. And they were talking about tornado weather when the sky turns green. Was that what you're about to say? Uh pinkish green. Yeah. Like when you're on mescal, and I think we talked about that before. Yeah. It gets were you that on mescal color. during a tornado? No. Um, but he gets that color and it kicks back to, oh, shit, shit's going to happen. Yeah, I, that's, but see, that's the weird thing about, but earthquakes, they don't really have that. Yeah. Like, that was always the thing about the weather is that I don't think that, I think that it's because, like, this was January and another one's October that those oh, kind okay. of have similar weather for Southern California. Yeah. So, it's it's not as scorching hot and there's probably it probably was cloud cover cloudy, super cloudy yeah, which is which, very unusual for yeah, you <laughs> so so they would be like and it's different from june gloom cuz in the june time we wake up and it's that cloudy but it has a name it's june gloom and this would be in january and the other like in october so so it's it, i don't think that earthquakes have to do with weather but i could be mistaken like it's all interconnected babe but you know what it is because you know what thanks ma you're right it is is all interconnected uh 1994 white supremacist and klansman byron della beckwith jr is convicted of murdering civil rights leader medgar evers medgar evers was murdered in 1963 yes this i would point out is 1994 yes um was he still alive yeah, he was. Oh, okay. Yeah. Two previous all-white Mississippi juries were deadlocked in the previous two trials. Amazing. Here's, so this is Mississippi. The juries come from voter rolls. And Mississippi has done, ever since 1890, an exceptional job of disenfranchising the black voter. So that means that black people were excluded from juries. So a trial mm-hmm. by your peers, ha, you thought. The second trial, the governor at the time of the assassination, a fuckboy by the name of Ross Barnett, shook hands with the Klansmen in the courtroom. Uh, So in 1994, it was the trial, and it was all because of Marley Evans, who was the widow of Medgar 
Mm-hmm. Evers. I had Evans, and that's a mistype. It's Evers. Yeah. Marley Evers, she went on to become the third woman to chair the NAACP. She never stopped. She was like, I'm going to get this justice because right. it should be pointed out that Medgar Evers was shot in the back in his driveway in front of his wife and kids coming home. Mm-hmm. And she never mm-hmm. stopped. She she did the true crime thing before it was like true crime. She went and found... Uh, the minute little technicality that just broke the case open. You know, she found the bullshit of the bullshit that they were up to. And it was her. So hats off to her. And they got that fucker. Also, he was out there at rallies and whatnot (laughs) bragging about it. Mm. Just the whole time, just (laughs) bragging about it. So got his ass. Um, Kurt Cobain took himself out the game in 94. Or did he? I, I think he hot did. Take. That is a he hot did. take, but I think he did. He might have. He, he was he, a sad boy. Yeah. Um, under the cover of war, Hutu extremists launched their plan to destroy the entire Tutsi population and thus began the 100 days of the Rwandan genocide. Oh, and we said would never happen again, but it did. It did, yeah. and it will again. I'm sorry, but it will. Just turn the other way Not for a hundred mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. It was black people killing black people. What's that problem? You know, we said no genocide ever again, but it's the caste caveat. You know, no white people. No white people killing people of color. Well, that's still going to happen. Uh, no, that's still, it's more, no, no, I guess, white on white. Gen- no, I'm, we're getting into horrible territory. You okay. know, I'm sticking with the original. They Move said on. never again, and I'm moving on. <laughs> the quicksand is getting me. Um, South Africa holds its first fully multiracial elections, and Nelson Mandela wins and is sworn in, and they get a new flag. Mm-hmm. And that's the flag that we all know now. The first genetically modified food is deemed safe for human consumption. It was a tomato. Oh, wow. And it was done, it was genetically modified to improve the shelf life, increase fungal resistance, and it was slight, had a slightly increased viscosity. So, and didn't taste like a tomato at all. Well, but this is the, yeah, and, but they were like, it's, it's safe. You can eat it. And it's like, but, no, thank you. Is it? Yeah, no. But we're all eating it. Cause, cause not me. <laughs> you're not eating. Well, I'm not eating tomatoes either. But genetically modified food, we're all eating it. Oh, yeah. Nobody's really labeling it, I think. And none of us are fucked up. <laughs> no, we're all not fine. Not one of us. Yeah. Um, And then we have Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman are killed by O.J. Simpson. Mm. And that True. is not a hot take. Wow. <laughs> Hey, I was gonna sure. say we're I was gonna say we're killed by a black man because I wanted it to be a swipe at OJ for because he was like, I'm not black, I'm OJ. But oh. then I was like, nah, nah, man, you're gonna stand on this and you're gonna own it. I'm not I'm not so yeah. and then I finally I have because today is the 19th, so happy Father's Day. And for me, it's happy Father's Day and happy Juneteenth. Well, for you, Adam and Poppy. Yeah, for us. 
is happy Juneteenth. I mean, I just will take that you and Teeny are happy that slavery ended and that you are happy, but that you also recognize that it's a little weird to wish people, black people, a happy Juneteenth because it kind of would be weird. Yeah. I did see a good post on um, from a black woman who is how you can celebrate, for non-black people, here's how you can celebrate Juneteenth. Ooh. And I'll, I can read some of them, I guess. Yes. Sure, because I got some fire on the back uh, end for Australia okay. after you're done. <laughs> okay, well, we'll let's start with this. So um, it's from a, a woman called named Portia Boston, who is apparently a fitness trainer. Um, I'm not, I don't know her, but it says she's anti-racist, anti-diet, fitness and wellness pro. So, oh, I sounds like a friend of mine. She's also a perinatal specialist and a health coach. So good. Oh my gosh, she's just you go, girl. So she said um, she wants to clarify when I say celebrate for non-black people. I really mean for you to make space and allow for black people to rest, experience joy, and experience safety, and live out their dreams in peace. The best way to celebrate in this sense is to stop perpetuating harm and stop other non-black people from doing the same. Mm -hmm. Um. So it says, if we understand that Juneteenth is about ancestry and reckoning with history, this is a day of celebration, relief, and rest for Black folks, as Adam cleans the berries off the backyard. Um, for it's white a choice folks, he's he wanted to do it. It's calming for him. Um, for white folks especially, this is a day of reflection, contemplation, and atonement. Understand that you continue to benefit from a system in which Black people are held accountable and held to life-threatening consequences. If you want to honor this day, think on how you can use your privilege to equitize systemic differences and create more safety and peace for Black people. Well so this says, this is not, this list is not ranked by priority. It is non-exhaustive. Some actions are larger gestures and some are smaller, all important. Um, if you're a shift worker at your place and your place of work does not officially recognize Juneteenth as a holiday, offer to cover the shift of a Black coworker who has asked to rest. I would not just go to a Black coworker and say, hey, you're black. Do you want to celebrate celebrate today? Um, I'll take your shift. Um, ask your ask yourself when is the last time I had black people over to my home? Remember that distance breeds fear and proximity creates care. Vote for political candidates who support public safety alternatives to traditional policing whenever possible. Yeah. Advocate for Advocate for critical race theory to be taught in classrooms. If you're a parent, I thought this was a good one. If you're a parent, send your child to a summer camp or sign them up for summer programs where most of the kids do not look like them. Oh, that's a good one. It's a good mm -hmm. one for anybody to get out of your comfort mm -hmm. zone and see what it's like to be a minority. Mm -hmm. I have experienced um, that on a very <laughs> limited basis, but it is eye-opening. Reevaluate and reprogram your anti-racist action plan. Advocate for pay transparency, buy black owned. Advocate for your company to invest in inclusivity and implicit bias training as an ongoing practice. Allow yourself to be taught and mentored by black people and especially by black women and pay them. Um, advocate for and protect black trans athletes. I'd say good black, all black trans people, but that's, yeah. I guess this is specific for that. Um, support people healing from racial trauma. Imagine continuing work as usual and people who look like you are continually being brutalized, shot, and killed. Understand reparations and advocate for them. Um, be patient with deadlines. 
have that conversation. Yeah, you know, that one. Um, choose to invest in, in media stories and narratives where Black people experience joy. Stop micromanaging points of color. Be abundantly clear about your values and beliefs on social platforms and with your loved ones, particularly with loved ones who ultimately perpetuate harm. Well done. That was good. Yes. Nice. I have, so happy Juneteenth, and there's this article by Thalia Anthony and Stephen Gray called, quote, was there slavery in Australia? Yes, period. It shouldn't even be up for debate. <laughs> what a great title. So according to this article, um, slavery in Australia, it wasn't like the American South. Um, but according to Article 1 of the United Nations Convention, it says, quote, slavery is the status or condition of a person over whom any or all of the powers attaching to the right of ownership are exercised. So in Australia, it had been pretty much illegal since 1833, but in 1891, um, there was still the traffic of Aboriginal labor. Both children and adults had descended into slavery conditions. So they had like 62,000 Melanesian people brought to Australia to work the, the sugar plantations from 1863 to 1904. There was also um, pearl diving that was big, getting the oh. pearls. Um, so while it was officially off the books, it, it was sanctioned by law, though. they had It was written in that they had to inspect working conditions and workers, but they didn't have to enforce any sort of payment or working conditions. So people would just come in, see, like, yeah, you're not paying these people, but they wouldn't have to enforce that you had to pay the people. So in 1918, there was an ordinance that allowed for the recruitment of indigenous workers, and it basically legalized non-payment of wages. 1918. And like people in Australia have been talking about it, what, what's happening with the indigenous Australians and not getting paid and their labor and all of this. They were talking about it in the 30s, in the 40s, in the 50s, and they're still talking about it today. And in 2020, the Prime Minister of Australia, Scott Morrison, he actually fixed his lips to say, quote, there was no slavery in Australia. Oh, wow. So to this day, there's still indigenous Australians who are like, we kept this country afloat during the Great right. Depression. We basically built this country because you didn't pay us our wages. Like, you just did all this sort of fancy stuff. And meanwhile, you know they were over there looking at the U.S. like, we're not them. We're, we don't have what they have. And yet, excuse me, but who colonized? Like, you came to a country that... Nobody looked like you, and you came to this country, and now this country is a white country. And you're going to tell, and it's part of the same uh, monarchy that colonized the United States and the whole spreading that white supremacy. And you're going to, you have the nerve to fix your mouth and say we didn't have slavery in Australia. So I guess we get to celebrate Juneteenth because that was the end of slavery here in the United States. Although, I will point out that we still have slavery in the United States. It's in the form of our uh, 
penal system. And I think that it is a big reason behind the abortion thing because there's going to be a lot of unwanted children. If people can't get abortion safely, there's going to be a lot of unwanted children and they're playing the numbers. And if you're unwanted child, like I'm not saying you're automatically going to end up doing a life of crime, but we have this whole system set up and a privatized criminal, you know, prison system. Those beds need to be filled. Who's going to fill those beds? Look at it. I, I mean, th- there you have it. There's the get down of why, because they need forced labor. So yeah. basically slavery is the reason that abortion is illegal. I said it. Happy Juneteenth. Old white oh. man. Yes. And I just saw a thing. My gym is not doing classes tomorrow because they're recognizing Juneteenth. Yes, because it fell on a Sunday. Monday so is it's a federal observant. holiday. Observant. Because of President Biden. Mm-hmm. President I, Biden also, made. So I'm sorry to, yes, good for him, but I'm sorry to take the, to pivot into this, but it, did you guys see the video him falling off of his bike. I didn't. I saw no. a still picture. That's pretty funny. I mean, he's an old man on a bike. It's a, because it's not a fall. He, his foot got stuck in the pedal. But it's yeah. on the. It's on. It's it's on uh, Cape Penlopen that or the. He was in Delaware. I was like, oh, I re- I ran that. <laughs> I run there. We're at the. Yeah, Reho- he was around Rehoboth. Yes. Yeah, and, and um, just as a disclaimer, my family has a very uh, Christine married into it because she has the same sense of humor. Where people falling down is like the funniest thing that my family has. Ever <laughs> it wasn't seen. a bad fall, okay? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's good because bad Bye. falls are even funnier. The more blood, Ooh. the better for my family. Ooh. So. Ooh. The top films, number five was Speed, number four was The Mask, number three was True Lies, number two was Forrest Gump, and the number one film of 1994, box office-wise, was The Lion King. 1994 is one of the all-time best Weird move, yeah. (laughs) It's one of the The great- Yeah, Jim Carrey. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I know it. Yeah. And then listen to these Oscar nominations, though. I think all these movies came out in 1994. The Shawshank Redemption. Oh. Quiz Show. Oh. <laughs> Pulp Fiction. Oh, my God. Mm. I actually like Pulp Fiction. I know. Four Weddings and a Funeral. Mm-hmm. And the best picture for that year, according to the Academy Awards, was Forrest Gump. I was gonna say, first gun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just a wide, like so many movies came out in 1994. I remember Adam fell asleep during Lion King. He also fell asleep in Apollo 13. He fell asleep in a lot. I just cried my eyes out in the Lion King, <laughs> just sobbing. Oh. So we are to negative reheatable, and um, after listening to you two, there are a lot more than I had down. <laughs> I have gay bashing, because that's never okay. And I have, um, wouldn't it have been nice if there could have been real um, drag queens in the film? Yeah, if the main lead roles weren't played by three. Oh God, I'm glad you looked that up, because I didn't. 
Well, I just figured. I just assumed they were not. I don't know because you know it's all well, you fluid. Don't it's a fluid right. situation. But all three of them have had spouses who were women, so. I don't know where they are on the buy or whatever scale, but like Terrence Stamp was known as a very heterosexual man. <laughs> and you know what? Bernadette and I have a lot in common. <laughs> a lot in common. More on that later. Okay. Other negatives? I only wrote, the only negative I wrote down is that I've never seen Mamma Mia. I've never seen Mamma Mia either. Well, yeah, because, I mean, we went to the movies. Poppy would not have gone to see Mamma Mia. I have I, seen it. I like Gabble. And I've seen Mamma Mia, too. Well, too. I think those came out after I had I, I had left the nest. Yeah. I have the, the whole, like, shockiness thing of the movie is it's supposed to be a shock that Tick is mm-hmm. married, and it's supposed to be a shock mm. that Tick has a son, and that just doesn't. It no, doesn't, like it's there's nothing. It's it's funny because the movie makes it like it's this shock reveal thing, and in 2022, you're just like, that's what's shocking about this, right? Right. I heard that I heard Alice Springs and I immediately thought of the chicken dish at the Outback Steakhouse, which made me laugh because, gosh, can you imagine being an Australian person and going to Outback Steakhouse? It's <laughs> just like this is it's it's got to be a cultural appropriation type yeah. thing. But since I saw something just recently on uh, Facebook that said this is food from the Outback. This is food from the restaurant. It was a blooming onion, and it was like some onion rings on something. It was like, no, no, this is I, not Australian cuisine. It, but it's it's white on white crime. So yeah, that's but true. I do enjoy. And I do food. love that blooming onion. I know. Oh I do too. I and the sauce. Oh. Hey, when they get the the surface, the actual food is not good. Oh, I, I, I enjoy me the Victoria. Oh, last time we went to Outback, we were like, oh, God, this is terrible. I mean, it's, and then you get a lobster tail. I, I, I'm not going to stand by it and say like the out, the Victoria filet next to, um, Mastro's (laughs) by any means, but Mm. you know, when you're, you don't want to cook and you just want to get a steak, it's not bad. That's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> um, but so Alice Springs, and then I looked it up, and like, sure enough, Alice Springs is right smack dab in the middle of Australia. And that is some rough uh, territory. I knew where Cooper P. I had heard of Cooper P. D. Really? Because oh, there's this show on Netflix that called Instant Hotel, and highly recommend. It's so fun it's like i guess in australia maybe they call airbnbs instant hotels so oh. it's like eight duos some of them are like couples or mother and daughter or whatever and they each stay in each other's instant hotel for a night and they rank it on like the price the, the location the attraction it's like four weddings yeah, it is. It's four oh, weddings, oh. Airbnbs. It's so fun. It's a good, easy thing to watch. Yeah, highly Excellent. recommend. But 
but one of them had a one of them had an instant hotel in Cooper PD. Man, it's so like Alice Springs is a settlement that was called Stewart and it was renamed Alice Springs in 1933. That's how just recent and the, I'm fascinated by Australia because it seems like all the cities are on the coast and then it's this vast land and then you have Alice Springs right in the middle and then it gets me to my next bad reheatable. I put the Outback because anytime you watch any show about the most dangerous creatures in the world, everything is from Australia, and I'm terrified of Australia. I know. Adam won't go. I won't I, go Adam so is a bad. smart young man. Go. I want to go, but I only, I want to go to the cities. And even then, I'm kind of very nervous about, like, well, what are cities in Australia? Right. <laughs> Just, Do those creatures know not to cross that line that says city limits? I don't I, think so. Just everything is just well, poisonous. Like you see snakes, poisonous snakes in New York City. No, but no, you don't. But like <laughs> you do in Los Angeles, <laughs> call it rattlesnakes. Mm, oh yeah. But like downtown Los Angeles has rattlesnakes. Uh, probably not downtown Los Angeles, but given that they gotta go somewhere, and it, I mean, we got mountain they're lions. They're like, in those hills. Mountain lions be out here. That's a thing. You can put your little dog out here if you want to, but yeah. that is a known thing. So I, it's kind of I'm like, man, the Outback seems like LA on steroids. Oh I, my god, yes. Ooh. Okay, how about this one? I guess I should say a trigger warning, just an alert, because it's about Adam's story when he was little with his uncle. Now, are we supposed to take that as that that's actually what happened or that that's just the story that he was telling? And when we're watching the movie, we're like, oh, he's just saying that that's what happened. Yeah, I, I don't couldn't know. remember. I don't. I couldn't I tell. You I talking about that my was like, Adam. <laughs> With, no, I with mean, like, Adam Felicia. Oh, okay. Yeah, I couldn't tell if that's, like, the story he made up in his mind to protect right? himself. Right? Yeah. It's a story he would have made up in his mind, but also he's got that, he, it, mm, I, mm-hmm, I don't see how it realistically could have happened like that, but. I Yeah, I fear that that was the story that he tells because then it's funny, but that I don't think, I think that, like, yeah. yeah, I think he really went through the trauma. Yeah, and he's like he made up that too. story, whether or not he actually remembers it that way. Mm. But to protect his little brain. Yeah, I hope he's protecting his little brain. Okay, I didn't know what to, where to put this, so I settled on putting this as a negative reheatable. But it made me laugh real hard. The abaturd, and how it's still a nugget. <laughs> still. How did it still stay intact? Please, please, Aaron. Did he? Did he get it? Like, uh, did he get? Can we just soil? leave it? Can we just leave it? Then he had it around his neck in the next scene, as on a necklace. Oh, just oh. So... oh, and then okay, so then when they were talking about old queens raising kids, and they went to Queen Elizabeth, and they were like, oh, Charles, and then they just threw Edward under the bus, and everybody I know in 2022 is yelling, 
It's Andrew. It's not Andrew. I started to write down Edward and I went, no. It's Andrew. He's the one that trips them up. He's what ends the monarchy. Uh-huh. Exactly. And then finally, my last negative reheatable. When he it was tick and he I forget who else he he was saying who he impersonated and he mentioned Gary Glitter. And ooh, that's a that might be one of the all-time worst reheatables because this came out in, what, 94? And in 99, Gary Glitter was jailed for child porn. Oh. And in 2006, he so then he got out. Then he went to, like, Vietnam and was living. And then in 2006 in Vietnam, they were like, yo, what are you doing? And then he got caught up in convictions for child sex abuse in Vietnam then uh, somehow, then his ass got out again, and then in 2015 he got caught up in uh, convic- attempted rape convictions, and he's currently in jail. So hmm. Gary Glitter, that yeah, don't really hear that too much in the old stadiums anymore. Used to be a staple, but oh, Gary Glitter had himself a problem with the children's. Oh, that's a oh. Okay, so now we're to positive reheatable. Christine, you did your negatives, yes? Yeah, I only had one. I, 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 when I was finished, I had none. I had to go back and add a couple. So um, following on the tales of the Outback, my, one of my faves is there were no snakes in this. Oh, you know how yes. many snakes there could have been in this? So and many. they didn't have a snake. So thank you. They, they showed what, what, evolution would evolve into a snake with but it had the legs and i was like right. I'm not freaked out by this creature no i can do an iguana and yet a... it's probably more dangerous it's probably somehow probably. that thing is probably more poisonous and when they did that when they did that like the gecko thing with the hoods you yeah know, that was such a good but okay i digress um friendship oh, friendship really really Guy Pierce's butts. Yes, fantastic. It was a fine butt, and we saw a bit of it. He was really into bodybuilding. He built his body. Mm-hmm. And, and may I say, a beautiful female presence. He yes. was pretty when he was all made up. Not mm-hmm. that he's not pretty when he's not made up. Singing, I will survive in the desert. I mean, that was a great scene. Mm-hmm. And then the scenes where Guy Pierce is on the, the top of the bus. Oh, those are my favorite. Oh, the oh. wind was blowing. Oh, yeah. It's, it's worth great. it just to see that. It's just so yeah, I beautiful. agree. I agree. So those were some of my positives. I have something left over for MVP. I wrote the flip-flop dress. I have that as well. Do you have the tasty Love titty it. on it? It's a runner up for my food. No, I didn't look at the tasty titty on it. The tasty titty on it is that it costs $7 to make. $7. Mm-hmm. To make they went that, to Old they, Navy for those. They went flops. to Old Navy and bought the flip flops. Oh, I loved it. That was great. Uh, and that's part of drag is being able to create all these costumes mm-hmm. out exactly. of what you have. Exactly. The scenes with, I also, I just read the scenes with the drag against the desert background were all very good. Oh, yes. ABBA, 
There was a guy in the club, one of the clubs they were wearing a Tar Heels hat. Did you see that? Oh, no, I missed it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. One of the club scenes, there was a guy wearing a Tar Heels hat. Um, Jeannie, I have, I'm sorry, but it just dawned on me. So right now I have, I went to the beach yesterday to celebrate my Juneteenth. And there I stepped in tar on my heel. And it's, it's, it's huge. And it's in my freezer, but I, because I was going to, and it just, it just all came together right now. And my mind is exploding. So I'm like, there's tar on that heel. It's a tar heel. (laughs) (laughs) But it's in the freezer because I'm hoping to salvage my flip flops. That's why they were called the tar heels. They couldn't be pushed back. Um, (laughs) Drink. Drink. The zebra lingerie. Although I don't know if it was zebra or that Cynthia had. Yeah, that was her. That was that actress brought that Julie. Really, it was Julie Cortez. And they called it a cat suit, but it was zebra striped. She provided zebra. that. Yeah, Even, and the zipper was already there. She provided. There was a sequin dress that one of them was wearing that was amazing at one point. Daiquiris. Oh, those big ass daiquiris. And then just the mind, like, the fact that kids are taught to be hateful. So, like, Mm -hmm. when they were, like, out uh, worried about, who was it that had the kid? Mitzi? Mitzi. Yeah, Mitzi. Tick, Mitzi. Tick was worried about how to explain who he was. Or like his lifestyle to his kid. And then there was another scene where Adam was talking to his son and it's like talking about, you know, try they're trying to explain how his dad is dragging, whatever. And the kid just said, Oh yeah, she, like talking about his mom and just said, Oh yeah, she used to have a girlfriend, but they broke up and she got over it. So like he just yeah. like, exactly. Like, no biases of any of these right. things, you know, until they're taught that. Right, exactly. Because yeah, they're ta- because you, you come into the there's I think there's like a whole bunch of stuff, and then you have it as a kid, and then as you get older, though, the society and all of that kind of takes all of the just like the awareness and your attachment to the world, and then it just replaces it with all this bullshit, and then you spend the, <laughs> the rest of the time like that was bullshit. to get back to how you were when you came into the world as a kid with that childlike wonder and amazement and that everything okay so so i don't understand marxism as a a kid but i accept just how who people are and everything right yeah those are mine there was a there's a song in south pacific when are you picking that Wash that band right out of my hair. Yeah. Oh, after this weekend. Um, uh, that you, you've you got to be carefully taught. And he came from society. So he was, and he fell in love with a Polynesian woman. <gasps> and he, yeah, he knew that he couldn't take her back to, you know, society. England. And, no. You know he, he oh, was that American. Was... Yeah. Oh. It was... Well, it's still. 
I've decided that this drink that I make is called. <laughs> I named it today. I've because I made it's gin, Earl Grey tea, honey, and lemon. And I've decided that I'm going to call it the colonizer. I knew you were going to say the colonizer. <laughs> Earl Grey tea, it's the colonizer. With the gin. I'm like, it's the col. Like, well, that's I, true. I'm always shitting on the colonizers, but they made this delicious beverage that I'm drinking. A broken clock, a broken clock. Okay, so. I have now, my good reheatables. Because we I, to Aaron's good reheatables. to everything that's come up to this, I actually enjoyed myself watching this movie. I did we too. Had, the marathon runner, especially at the oh beginning. Oh my god, that was so funny. She, she was the woman, and they were just like, all right, she's going to go across Australia just by herself, and no one's there to wish her off. And in the background, all these drag queens are there to get a royal send-off. And I, That's so good. I thought um, the woman is actually played by the, the executive producer of the film, Rebel Penfold Russell. But I thought oh. that it was very interesting how and it was also like a play on society and how that works because here you have this one woman and in this case it was a, a white woman but it was just this one woman and she's gonna run across the country by herself and like nobody cares you know her people don't show up for her you know like there's no men really there to cheer her on there's no other women it's just her and then these three these two drag queens and a transsexual woman are I guess I should just say two drag queens and a woman are going to uh to Alice Springs and they have like their community is there you know showing like up, showing exactly. up for them and stuff and then I just loved how she was just in the background of many scenes exactly just, just running just I honestly though I wish it would have been an Aboriginal woman because mm -hmm. I I feel like but. The filmmakers, obviously, Al was wasn't thinking that way because it just would have said so much about. <laughs> the Is plight. Al on the fuckboy list now? Yeah, I mean, Al. That was a dumb quote, but maybe Al's evolved. But it was just really dumb That's in '94. So apologies, Al, if you've found the error of your ways. But I feel <laughs> like Al may still be stuck in his feelings on that um i love that bernadette married a 25 year old trumpet player mm -hmm. i don't care if he had a fetish or whatever i'm like she obviously ain't 25 and she found a 25 year old man like you go girl damn oh teeny i don't know if you uh -uh. got this <laughs> when mitzi was packing <laughs> <laughs> to go to Alice Springs. It looked like what you were packing to go to San, Di San, San Diego. To fly back home. Just, just everything was out. I was like, how is she gonna? And I don't, Teeny performed a miracle because it, it was a mountain out of a suitcase. And I was just like, all right, look, I'll just mail you stuff. Like, and no, yet, I got it. She got it. Um... I this I also debated where to put this, but I, I I ultimately settled on hey, it's just nice to see <laughs> the black Jesus, yeah, the black Jesus on the crucifix. Yeah, I put it in the good reheatables because at, at this point it was just nice to see. Anytime something I black. see, <laughs> it was nice to see something black, and 
honestly, anytime I see Black Jesus, I smile. I I, I enjoy me some Black Jesus. Just Black Jesus loves you too. I deny him. Um, and finally, the the final song, "Save the Best for Last." Oh man, y'all growing up loved that Vanessa Williams album and played it a lot in Germany. And so I heard this song a lot. And I, <laughs> there's two things that crack me up about it. Because I think that it's a bop. It's very catchy. It is catchy. I have a problem with sometimes the sun goes round the moon. Because <laughs> when? <laughs> Never. Never. But I cannot... It always brings a smile to my face when she gets to the part of the song where she's like, and now we're standing face to face. Isn't this world a crazy place? Cracks me up every time. <laughs> I just love the way she said, isn't this world a crazy place? Oh, I love it. It's just, it's it's funny. It, it cracks me up. So... I, I enjoyed this film, like the desert, yeah. all of that, the yeah. costumes. I'm just pointing out what needs to be pointed out. And like we can enjoy this film, but also point out the flaws of its white supremacy. <laughs> Which is what we do pretty much every week. So now we are to quotes, a cock in a frock on a rock. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's got to be the quote of the movie. I don't know, because Bernadette's is, here's hoping they have a decent cocktail bar. <laughs> oh, that yeah. is true. I think we just crashed a party. And Bernadette, see, I really associated with Bernadette. These days, gentlemen are an endangered species. Yeah. Other quotes. Um, I have... There are. It's not fair. I spent half my life and all my savings trying to find a selfless husband and he goes and dies on me. Yeah. Uh, you want a good wife? You'd be a good husband. That was from Cynthia. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Some days you just shouldn't get out of bed. <laughs> from Bob. Uh, I had this well, don't let it drag you down. Let it toughen you up. I only learned to fight because I had to. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that was good with Bernadette. Mm -hmm. Oh, Can't I forgot. Me. Sorry, my negative would be like violence to trans women. Or actually all trans people. Because there was mm -hmm. violence to trans. Like attempted right. violence. So that's a mm -hmm. big one. Right. Um, Can't keep a good bitch down. <laughs> Uh, assumption is the matter of all fuck-ups. Oh, Ooh, good one. Good one. And then morals are a choice, and he'll decide his own. He'll just, this is about the kid. Yeah. Morals are a choice, and yeah. he'll decide his own when he's good and bloody well ready. Yeah. Aaron, quotables? Oh, hi. Bernadette says, now listen here, you mullet. Yeah. And I really like when he, uh, 
they get lost somewhere. He goes, oh, Felicia, where the fuck are we? <laughs> I love that that um, that character's name was Felicia. I loved it. I know. That didn't make Felicia, me think. Felicia, like, bye. Yeah, the bye Felicia. I was like, did they, did, did they watch <laughs> Priscilla Queen? The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert? And that's where By Felicia came from? And then where that did By Felicia come from? Wasn't that from the, the Friday movies? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. So we're to LVPs. LVP. Well, before we move on to that, this kind oh. of goes to quotables. I have a portion on my notes that's called Australian Sayings That I Like. Oh, yes. Brecky, that's just the word. Calling your breakfast brecky. Oh, brecky, yeah. I don't know what this means, but pile of budgie turd. <laughs> uh, Good day, but Good eye. Stiff bickies. And then a couple that I saw this article on CNN that was uh, Australian slang. 33 phrases to help you talk like an Aussie. Oh, you got to do it in the accent. Yeah. Well, a couple of them that we uh, saw, that we heard in here. Um, sorry. Here we go. Uh, one for the road. They said one for the road is an Aussie saying. No. Apparently that- that's the last drink before going home. No, yeah. I feel like that's a colonizer saying because we got that here. So, yeah. and it was it but, was a uh, an Audrey Hepburn movie as well. Back in the day, so. that's an English people. The Queen said that. I believe the Queen. One for the road. Cooey was one that we heard when he said at the top of the hill, uh-huh. and. A loud Aboriginal cry in the outback that tells people where you are, assuming they're within cooey range. So if you're not within a cooey of something, you're nowhere bloody near it. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's kind of appropriation just because of the depiction of Aboriginals in. Right. Well, I don't know if it's appropriation or if they actually do it. But it came from a scene. In the movie. So I. Not appropriate, but it's that I feel like it's maybe that kind of thing where it's the oh, it's like an Aboriginal saying, saying yeah. so it's like a thing with like they like dabbing people up how that started in black culture and then it became an everything culture, but the culture that it came from is a culture that isn't um that is disenfranchised, I guess. Okay, that was just and then have a go, you mug is a favorite call of those who watch. Sport from the budget seat. Heard at cricket games where batsmen block the ball too much or football games where the team isn't being inventive enough to try to score. Generally refers to anyone who isn't putting in any effort or taking any risks. Ooh, what is that again? Have a go, you mug. Oh, have a mug. Mug. You know what mug means here. My dad would say mug, and it took us years to realize that's his code word for motherfucker. I had to actually tell you that. Yeah. Because you thought he never... Have a go, you mug. I'm going to remember that for Germany when they're playing the World Cup and they ain't doing shit. Have a go, you mug. And then they also said, put a sock on it. 
which means to shut up, obviously. Um, and those are the ones, there's more on here, but those are the ones that I heard Excellent. in the movie. So um, I have a controversial LVP. Um, it's, it's, it's a runner-up. I, I mean, I love that, that the father and son were going to spend father and son time together, but um, giving your eight-year-old to a person he doesn't even know, but is told is his father, to, uh, on a bus that isn't even safe, to travel across Australia? I, I, that was a bit of a, uh, it was, it was a negative for me. Yeah, you weren't even sure the bus was going to make it. Yeah, exactly. I, along the same lines, and I have to say that, I don't know, I just felt a certain kind of way about it. Because remember, so we had the thing with Adam and his memory of his uncle. Right. And then just seeing the kid... I did think about it, like the kid being with him, and then I was, I was kind of like, "Is that like I, I thought like it did cross my mind because you know hurt people hurt people and stuff." Yeah. And so I kind of, I did think that, but then I, I was like, "Oh, okay." My thing was more of like what you were saying, Mon, that she doesn't know. Adam and the like she knows that's the father and she's going with the father but then she's with these other and then there was a scene where I think it's like the finale and the little boy is on the shoulders of some other man who's yeah, like what, yeah that was weird to me I didn't so, want to bring that in like um yeah because I'll the thing is is that like with gay men and like all gay people and stuff but there is that that uh what is it like the predator like people are like oh they're gay so they're gonna touch your kids right. and stuff like that horrible bigotry that isn't true whatsoever right but there is the thing i'm not saying that i'm saying it, there is a thing about and I, like, I don't have kids but i'm just like what i hear and and see there is a thing about like your kids and just being with different adult alone with adult men that that's when the abuse like most kids right. are abused by people who know them and so, it's not it's not his inner circle but it could be other people they meet my problem was also i mean they are this is a really hot take but they're they're kind of a target for violence just because of being um, gay people and that's not okay and being um, drag queens. So that's going to bring that element into it too. And then the mother just going, you know, I need a break. It's been eight years. It's that I had a problem with that as well. Yeah, but I, I guess I could see that. Like, yeah, she, I could, I could see that. I And then, but that's why abortion needs to be legal. Because if you're not willing to put in 21 years, then you don't need to have the but, kid. But it, it's also a thing of like, that is the kid's father. So because it is. that's his lifestyle and that it is like she should, she had the child with him and she knows him. So she should be able, like he should be able to take the kid for. He should be able to. Yeah. 
Exactly. So I chose to, to, uh, to dwell on the safety part. Um, and yeah. So anyway, but my yeah. LVP is, and again, me and Bernadette. Bernadette's dancing. Bernadette dances like I do, which is why I don't. Bernadette looked like um, um, Master P on the first episode of Dancing with the Stars, stomping <laughs> around, not on the beat, and just putting your feet somewhere because that's what you're supposed to do. Well, in the universe, that's a beat somewhere. So <laughs> that's that. <laughs> exactly. But I couldn't be on the record. So, yeah, I guess my dad didn't marry you for your rhythm. He did not. My LVP is just bigotry. I left it at that. Yeah. Yeah. All, all, all across the board. My LVP is Adams and everybody in the dead naming. Cause they brought, mm -hmm. they brought it back at the end to be like a little button yeah. joke where yeah. the little boy um, dead names Bernadette, and then it's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Right, like right. He's, he, I mean, oh my gosh, I apologize. Bernadette, she has made it abundantly clear that that's she not okay. She doesn't want to hear that ever again. And then you, then they bring it back as, as a cute little button. Yeah. It's like, yeah. no, dead naming is not LVP. Okay, my MVP, okay, rubber, runner up, rubber flip-flops. The, the dress costs $7, we've already established that. But um, that uh, it, it was a negative, but that something shocked the drag queens. It was Cynthia's um, ability with the oh. ping pong balls, but which is a negative, but that anything, because they were supposed to be the shock and something shocked them. I thought that was, that was kind of cool. Although it was a negative how it, it happened. And so, yeah, so there you go. Somebody help me, help me. <laughs> My MVP was the costume designer, Lizzie Gardner. Teeny, yes. that's mine. That was my MVP as well. Yeah, she wore to the um, Academy Awards. Did you see her American mm -hmm. Express gold card dress? That's her. Oh, that's who it was. Yes. It's super famous. Yes, yeah. I remembered watching that that year and going, "That is cool." So there, yeah. the Tim Chapel and then Lizzie Gardner, and she was famous for the American. Express gold card dress. She also did the costume designs for Bound, Mission Impossible 2, and Hacksaw Ridge. And as of 2020, this was the most contemporary set film, meaning non-period, non-sci-fi, and non-fantasy film to win the Oscar for Best mm -hmm. Costume Design. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought it was great. I loved the wigs. The lizard outfit, like all oh, when they would do that, yeah. yeah, the hooded lizard yeah. thing would come out. Oh, him on top of the bus with the flowing of the mm -hmm. of the gold, uh, the silver yeah. lame. Uh, yeah. Okay, so um, 
I did a recasting. Mm. And because I am white and privileged, it, it's an all white cast. <laughs> it is the uh, second string of the office cast. Oh. So my Mitzi, my tick is Oscar Nunez. You know, a good hearted person oh, just okay. wanting to do yeah. the right thing. Uh, my Bernadette is Creed. <laughs> because it's just an old man. And my Felicia is BJ Novak, who played Ryan. Oh, Felicia. <laughs> Thank you. That's mine. I have for Bernadette. I would say, well, let's get a real transsexual actress to play the part. Mm -hmm. And it's an Australian film. So Danielle Alexis is an Australian-born trans actress. So that's Bernadette. For Tick, I have Felicia Fox, who is an Aboriginal drag icon. (gasps) Outstanding! For Adam, I have the author of that um, article that I mentioned, Madhara Prakash, is a Sri Lankan drag king named Manish Interest. So I thought that would be fun to have as Adam, to have a a drag king. And then as Bob, I thought that it would be funny to just bring Guy Pierce back, and he's now Bob. He'd be a good-looking Bob. Yeah, there we go. We have it, and it's a bit. Of, it, it's tough because the movie was a low-budget movie, and it got made because it had Terrence Stamp in it. Because Hugo yeah. Weaving and Guy Pierce were all. This was one of their first credits. Yeah, very young. Yeah. I mean, Terrence Stamp had been around for a while, so that's why. But it just sucks because none of these actors are representative of the community that they're portraying so it would be fun to remake it with actually exactly and like non um because apparently that's such a thing in australia australia get your shit together uh i'm throwing stones being an american and all but but that's part of it um of you know just the different like just not just white australian drag performers like let's Let's show right. a little bit more right. of what Australia is. Agreed. So now we are to our tasties. Um, and the, the Academy Award, as we said, went to the best costume designer. Tim Curry turned down the role of Mitzi. Interesting. I think he'd already done it. You yeah. know, done the, um, the thing. And so... Uh, Priscilla the Bus, and I love that it was named after Priscilla the Bus, um, was in the opening ceremonies of the Sydney Olympics. Mm -hmm. But the American uh, networks chose to cut around Priscilla and not show her. But she can be seen on the back. Is that homophobia? Like, or is that like, oh, that's an Australian movie and Americans don't know it? Because it was like a cult hit in. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I knew about it as a 14-year-old that reads Entertainment Weekly. I knew about Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Well, 
you did absorb entertainment weekly bernadette for uh other people consider to play bernadette yes david bowie who i could see as uh felicia um john cleese i could see him being bernadette and then they brought up tony curtis only because he had done drag for some like it hot you know Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was close to being in it. Really? Yeah. He would have been great. He would have been great. But the Sun Like It Hot was kind of like um, I didn't laughing at them dressing in drag and, and using it to their purposes instead of being like embracing the drag queen-ness of it. Yeah. Uh, Tick, they considered Rupert Everett and Colin Firth. Oh, yeah, but they didn't... Rupert Everett didn't get along with whoever, like, somebody else was cast. And I think Colin Firth, he was just like, hold on. I don't know. I I have to end up playing the staircase guy. Exactly. So, uh, the... Wait, but I have... That John Hurt was also considered. And John yeah. Hurt was in Heaven's Gate, right? That was John Hurt? Or am I... Yeah, that was John Hurt, right? Elephant Man? Yeah, okay. Continue on with your saying. You're your right. It was John big. Hurt. I chose yeah. not to use him because I didn't know that people would know who John Hurt was. I will look him up. Um, when the son does he does a dialogue or a song and it's got it's Lindy. a charade yeah oh yeah lindy chamberlain uh-huh um maybe the ding <laughs> like that's a household name in australia yeah. kind of like uh, like how everybody in america knows lorena bobbitt if you're of a certain age <laughs> exactly. so lindy chamberlain a household name her and her husband were convicted in 1980 of the death of their daughter Azaria, and that's where the, they claim that the dingo took the baby. Maybe the, like the dingo ate my baby. Maybe that's like maybe the owl did it. But they, but they were then exonerated years later because they felt like maybe the dingo did eat your baby. baby. And Meryl Streep is in a movie about it. Like she plays Lindy. And I'm just, I mean, come on, Elaine Bennett did That's, it great. Maybe they'll dingo eat your baby. I apologize <laughs> to the Chamberlains because that's so rude it, that you're. I apologize that, to Azaria because I haven't delved in enough to, to know about Lindy Chamberlain or whatever. So I apologize to the baby. <laughs> I do too. About I think. Jeannie, exactly. can you do it with your accent? Because you do it so good. Oh, I can't do it on command. I'll have to, it'll have to come organically. Exactly. I, like Joe, baby. I think we did a pretty good job of it, though. Oh, wow. I, I might be from, uh, you're giving me Cockney. Yeah. yeah, that was more Cockney, it was. Yeah. <laughs> it's very so. Angela Lansbury doing something on Broadway. You compared me to Angela Lansbury on Broadway. Thank you very much. Yeah, doing some sort of accent. <laughs> some shit. <laughs> okay, other people's tasties. The only one I have, I was when in the end where it ended with the kid getting on the 
bus. I just kept thinking, this is like RuPaul had a Netflix show <laughs> called AJ and the Queen. Yes. And apparently it said that that show was inspired where this just like misfit kid ends up as a runaway RuPaul's on a down and out and traveling across the country in an RV and a kid, a bad kid ends up on the bus with him. Yeah. And it says that, um, the net, that show was inspired by Priscilla queen of the desert and touched by an angel. <laughs> Green light it. I watch yeah. it. Uh-huh. Wonder why I got canceled. <laughs> I did watch it. It's cute. I have that Stephen Elliott, the director, is uncredited as the doorman. That there were the scenes were shot on the bus and that the crew is hiding under clothes and other props because it's such a small area. Yeah, exactly. There in 2006, there was a musical, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and it yeah. ended up on Broadway. So it's been mm -hmm. all over the world. Um, I looked it up. To travel from Sydney to Alice Springs is a 29-hour car drive. Oh god, 29. And it just oh. seems like I just you just look at the Australian map and it just. I don't know, like you know, at least in the U.S., you got Kansas City. You, you got, got some cities in you know, there. Yeah, you yeah. got Oklahoma City. Like there are like cities and stuff, but damn, it just looks like it's a whole bunch of the drive from Vegas, <laughs> from L.A. to Vegas. It yeah, just seems like that's just all there. Over and over. It's again. wild because I think like in the 2000s, Alice Springs got connected via passenger car train like it, it's so wild like yeah real wild uh going on so they the fine at the end you know how it was adam's dream to um do drag like walk up the king's canyon i believe also mm -hmm. hilarious a cock in a frock on a rock yeah it's just hilarious how it, look at england Look at Australia and realize in the middle of Australia, there's a place called King's Canyon. <laughs> yeah. Wild. Yeah. How dare you? So they wanted to, but originally they wanted to film on a rock formation. I forgot to look this up called U-L-U-R-U. And it's also known as Ayers Rock. But that U-L-U-R-U. It, I'm sorry, it's my my what is it? Uluru? You Uluru. Thank you. My my eyes and brain completely like panicked at that. That's what the local like the people who were have always been there call this rock formation that other people call Ayers Rock. It's sacred to indigenous indigenous right. Australians. So that the you Uluru Board of Management they said, nah, y'all filming there is a violation of indigenous Australian religious beliefs. Good. All right. No. And then, so then they, that's why they rewrote it for King's Canyon, which huh. I'm sure has another name. <laughs> and there's all kinds of creatures that, that oh are there. Gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so this is part of what is referred to as the Australian glitter cycle of the 90s. 
of films. You had 1992 Strictly Ballroom. You had Muriel's Wedding. And, quote, those, quote, celebrate Australian popular culture and are characterized by excess and seek to represent a different representation of Australian identity than more conservative cinematic counterparts. Protagonists within these films reject cultural restrictions and offer a more fluid representation of gender and sexuality. Notice what I didn't say, though. That's cast. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's all um, gender and sexuality from a white lens. Um, the film Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. Yeah, that, that was almost that was my number two pick last week. Right? It's not a ripoff, nor is it a remake of this. Exactly. They were filming this and then they heard about the Julie Newmar movie, and so it was already in production when Priscilla right. was released. So it's neither a remake nor anything. It just these It's just these one movies. of those anomalies where both of the films were being made at the same time. Yeah. Huh. Um, and Julie, I believe the cast is that is Patrick Swayze, John Leguizamo, and Wesley Snipes. So Correct. it's interesting how it, it is diverse, but yet it is three. I, I don't, uh, I would say heterosexual men, but you know. You don't know, but just from what we have been led what, to believe. Yeah, yeah, exactly in the role. So it's it's interesting, and that would be an interesting one to do again to revisit. Um, let's see. The director got the idea after he saw a plume of feathers in a drag headdress at the Sydney Mardi Gras parade fall off and tumble down the road like tumbleweed in a Sergio Leone western. So yeah. Because yeah. there's that one shot of the white feather, the white plume mm-hmm. in the desert rocks. It's just, be- it's just be- like the desert oh, it was, rocks. It was just beautiful. The fabulousness it was. of it. Um, at the end of the film, it says shown in Dragorama in select theaters. And that mm. is that um, in some theaters, there was a mirror ball and colored lighting during the finale. Disco. Uh huh. And that is that. Those are the tasty titties that I have for this. I did enjoy it. I yeah. Did. The yeah. the cinematography was outstanding. Uh, I did read that Hugo Weaving. He um he didn't realize somebody had said, "Don't make him pretty." in other words, make him ugly. And he hadn't seen any of the dailies. No, you're thinking of Terrence Stamp. Oh, so, is it? Ter- okay. Yeah, Terrence Stamp. He, he, in order to play Bernadette, he just imagined that he was the this most beautiful woman ever. He did a, an amazing job. I thought that. he was really good. And mm-hmm. so he, but then the director, and this I think is kind of problematic because the director told the director of photography make him look unattractive yeah so he's playing this part and and terrence stamp i guess famously doesn't look at dailies so it wasn't until he saw the premiere and was like oh my gosh and then the director of photography had to come over and apologize and be like look that's what the man said to do so that's why i lit you that way he was so good moving his hair out of his face yeah, I mean, he was doing the Mariah Carey with the little finger. 
moving the, uh yeah i thought he did it was weird i got lauren bacall vibes from him of just that i, I always if think he, of yeah. like old like in my mind whenever i think of like a refined older white woman i automatically go to lauren bacall you don't go to your mother I'm talking about like act like professional actresses. If I think of my mother as a professional actress, I think Michelle Pfeiffer. That's right, baby. That's my daughter. And that's how you save yourself. <laughs> that's how you save yourself. <laughs> okay. Uh, next week, I won't be here. Neither will I. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. Where will you be? I will be in Holden Beach, North I will Carolina. Be in Beach Haven, Long Beach Island. Yeah, well, you went to the beach yesterday, bitch. So it's my turn. Yeah, and I, I took a half day on Friday to get all my homework done. Like I had to, it was a free plan thing. So, so I. I, I come home the following Saturday, so if I am able to watch the movie and do what I'm supposed to do, we can do it the following Sunday. Oh, it's fantastic because the movie that I have, it's my turn, right? I panicked. It is. All right. Well, the movie that I have selected is available on HBO Max, so everyone can watch it whenever. <sighs> I just, I wanted to, I wanted a heist film. Ooh, a heist film. Is there anything better? I know. So I don't know how heisty this is, but it came up on a list. It's 1950. The director is John Huston. And it's been mentioned in a lot over the past. Of just when I'm doing the particulars, this name of this film just always comes up. Timmy, I'm sure you have ideas. Right. Just just no. No guesses from anyone. It's not The Legend of the Sierra Madre. No, because we did wait, that. Wait, 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 wait. Falcon. The Falcon. The, what's the, the Maltese Falcon? Falcon? Maltese Falcon. Have we done that? Maybe we might have done that. No, it's not. Okay. Does it have Humphrey Bogart in it? I don't believe so. It says it's a noir crime. Oh, see? Could it be better? Noir crime. 1950, directed by John Huston. Uh, Lauren Bacall. No, but another blonde, a big time blonde. Lana Turner and her no, pumps. Like maybe one of the biggest blondes ever. Mm. Like when you think of blonde actresses. Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. <gasps> Marilyn, whose dress was damaged by the butt of Kim Kardashian. Well, that should never people, have been allowed exactly. to happen. That's a, that's on you. Like you want to take something out and have people wear it, then that's on you. Oops. Uh, no, still no guesses. No, because she. Okay, diamonds are a girl's best friend. Do you see? Do you see Teeny or me on our phones? No. I have no guesses. So oh, yeah, it, no. I, I just had to make sure because I'm like, wait, Marilyn Monroe's in this? Yeah, Marilyn Monroe is in it. Sterling, Sterling Hayden. I don't really know all the rest of these people. Never looks, heard of that person. Looks like it's going to be a real white movie, guys. 1950? 1950. Crime Noir. The Asphalt Jungle. Mm. 
I have heard of this. Right? But, we but just way back in the periphery of my hearing. Recently Jesus. released from prison, Dix. Dix. <laughs> His name is Dix Handley. <laughs> mm-hmm. Dix Handley concocts a plan to steal $1 million in jewels. Oh. Who is Dix? Sterling Hayden. I don't know who Sterling Hayden is. I don't know who he is either. Um, how long is it? It is uh, one hour and 52 minutes. Mm. Okay, so it's two hours. It's okay. two hours, but it's on HBO Max. So it's okay. like, you know, it isn't like a window that we have to watch it within. Right. And if I text you and let you know that I haven't done the intro or the uh, set the table, somebody else is going to have to step up. And this wouldn't even be, this would be the weekend of July 4th, right? Then you're talking yes, about? Yes, it is. Yes, oh, it is. I have that Monday off. So Outstanding. So we could even do it Monday. Teeny, do you have Monday off? Yeah. Monday is July 4th. Okay. Well, well, listeners, and I am going to give a shout out to Donna's because she might be our most faithful. Listener. Did she listen to last week? She listened to the one where I said I hadn't been born yet. And Tini was like, really? <laughs> and so um, that was a couple times ago. But she's on her way to North Carolina. So she'll listen to a few. Oh, nice. Road oh. trip in. Yeah. So I, I will I will be with my triple D's in Holden Beach next Sunday. Wow, I had no idea. And and so you two will probably be FaceTimed at some point in that trip. Ooh. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, I thought you were gonna say that we would be like scheduling a vacation. I'm like, no, we're not. <laughs> no, I didn't say that, but I do expect you to pick up on FaceTime. Yeah, and if I'm able. We hope you enjoyed our episode of Bernadette. I I really liked it, Tini. Well done. I did too. Well done indeed. I was I was explaining what the movie was, and Poppy goes, "Tini's pick." (laughs) So even Poppy is uh, tuned into it. Okay, listeners. There you go. Bye. Bye.